episode number 84. Just as the sunlight cannot be absorbed in its full impact all at once, so too spiritual insights. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Shmos, How to Uplift Yourself, The Desire to Understand. We can have a powerful parable about collecting money, a great story about Rav Chatzkel, and peace in your home, a spiritual home. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So chapter 3 in Shmos starts out like this. Moses was grazing the sheep of Yisrael, his father-in-law, the minister of Midian. He guided the sheep far into the wilderness, and he arrived at the mountain of Elohim, towards Chorev, Choreva. An angel of Hashem appeared to him in a flame of fire from within the thorn bush. He saw and behold, the bush was burning in the fire, but the bush was not consumed. Moses thought, let me turn aside now and see this great sight. Why would the bush not be burned? Hashem saw that he turned aside to see, and God called out to him from amidst the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he replied, here I am. He said, Do not come any closer to here. Take off your shoes from your feet, for the place upon which you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzchak, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to gaze towards God. So this is the famous story of the burning bush. And the Chavetz Chaim brings the Perchiavos to explain the verse, the place upon which you are standing is holy ground. The Perchia will say, Do not say, when I get free time, I will learn Torah. Because the person says to himself, When Hashem improves my situation and I have some more free time, so then I'll learn, then I'll grow. But in the meantime, he's too burdened. So the verse tells us, The place at which you are standing is holy ground. That is, the present situation, the present time, right now is considered holy ground. Hashem wants us to serve Him in the situation the way things are now. Like it says, if Torah is difficult to learn, his reward is a thousand. If things are going smoothly, his reward is only two hundred. Zemidrash Rabbah. And we also know Lefum Saragra. According to the suffering is the reward. And the Chafet Chaim says further on this verse, it says, take off your shoes from your feet. At any time, at any place, a person can come closer to his maker and serve him and fulfill all the commandments. He just has to make sure that nothing is standing between him and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. For it says, your sins create a separation between you and God. And that's what it means, take off your shoes. Remove any obstruction between you and the holy ground on which you stand. In every place where I shall cause mention of my name, there should be holiness. No one should say the old days were better. Rather, everyone would say, when will my deeds compare to those of our forefathers? The only difference between us and them is the thickness of the mechitza, the separation. But if we remove the separation, a great spiritual light will shine forth in all its brilliance. The place on which you are standing is already holy ground. In all places, all times, in all situations, there's holiness. All we need to do is to remove the shoes from our feet. 
We have to remove our sins. Remove our sins. We ought to feel the spirituality. And Rav Shimshon Raphael Hirsch says on this verse, Do not step here, but remove your shoes from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Instead of attempting to understand the phenomenon which is beyond your comprehension, complement the lofty destiny of the ground in which you are already standing and devote yourself to it with all your heart. Removal of one's shoes expresses total commitment to the significance of a given place. The act implies that one intends to base one's personality on. The act implies that one intends to base one's personality on and derive one's standing from that place alone which means we have to grow from the place that we are. And we shouldn't think there's a different time or a different place or a different situation. The situation that we are right now, that's where we can do our greatest growth. And he continues, we're obligated to serve barefoot. Nothing should intervene between our feet and the ground, between our hands and the vessels, like the Kohanim, and their bodies and the priestly garments, in other words, there should be no separation between us and our votus Hashem. From wherever we are, we can grow. And Hashem will help us. And that's exactly what the Svorno said. The verse said, And Hashem saw that he turned aside to see. And then it says, And God called out to him. The Svorno says, This to inform us, just as our sages tells us. He who comes to be purified will be assisted from on high. Like the Gemara and Shabbos says, Moses went up to God, and Hashem called him from the mountain. So if we want, we can grow, and Hashem will help us. But we have to want to grow, and we have to focus our minds. And this is exactly what the Ramban explains. So the Ramban points out that there is a problem in the verse. First it says, an angel of Hashem appeared to him in a blaze of fire. And then it says, Hashem saw that he turned aside, and God called out to him. So what's going on there with this burning bush? Is it an angel, or is it Hashem? So the Evan Ezra wants to answer that both times talking about an angel. Obviously, when it says an angel of Hashem appeared to him in a blaze of fire, it was an angel. And even when it says, I am the God of your father, so the angel speaking in the name of God. But the Ramban doesn't like this, because he says, why did Moshe turn away? Moshe was a tremendous prophet. Why would he be scared of an angel? So he wants to explain that it's true. At first, Moses saw the angel, but Hashem was there also. But he didn't see Hashem. It was only after that he saw Hashem. The Ramban says like this. At first, Michal, the angel, appeared to him, and the glory of the Shekhinah was there as well. But Moses did not see the glory of the Shekhinah, for he had not prepared his mind to receive prophecy. But when he did focus his mind and he turned aside to see the burning bush, then the Shekhinah came into view. And that's what it means. Hashem called out to him from amidst the bush. So we learn from this that it's only when a person focuses his mind is he going to go up in levels of spirituality. If he doesn't focus his mind, he'll see what he sees. But when he starts to focus and think and contemplate, then he's going to go up a level. And the Rabbeinu Bachi holds like the Ramban. He says only once that he saw the fire, and from there he saw that there was an angel inside of the fire. At that point, when he became focused, he was ready to receive the Shekhinah, God's presence. He says, God wanted to educate him little by little, 
He wanted to raise his perception powers stage by stage so that his intellectual faculties would keep up with the pace of his emotional faculties. The matter could be best illustrated by comparing to someone who has sat for a long time in a dark room. If we open the door immediately, the sunshine comes in, he becomes blinded by that experience. Therefore, you have to open little by little. Just as the sunlight cannot be absorbed in its full impact all at once, so too spiritual insights can only be absorbed gradually in increasing quantities. The intellect, though in some respects it's unlike the other senses, is similar to the senses in the sense that it cannot successfully absorb too much subtly. This is unbelievable. If a person wants to grow, we can grow from wherever we are. But we're going to have to focus, we're going to have to think, and we're going to have to go level by level. Because if we jump levels, it's going to be too much for us. It's like being blinded by the light. Hashem wants us to grow in a healthy way, in the correct way. And Rav Moshe David Vali, who was a Talmud of the Ramchal, says on this verse, And Moses said, I will now turn to see this great vision, why the bushes are being consumed. Moses was saying, Now I will turn away from the lowly, mundane existence I have been living and draw myself close to spiritual loftiness, to my spiritual root, for this is man's entire purpose in this lowly world. One who distances himself from lowly physicality merits seeing spiritual loftiness. That's what it says. I will turn away and I will see. One who wishes to open his eyes and see intellectual and spiritual sights must close his physical eyes, which are drawn towards the physical sights. That's what it means he turned to see. Like the verse says, who is blind other than my servant? Only one who makes himself blind to physicality can see clearly on an intellectual level and become a servant of Hashem. And the Malbim says the same thing. He says like this, Because the prophecy came in a form of a physical image, therefore Moses needed to turn aside in order to really grasp it. And this is what the Midrash says. Rav Yochanan said, Moses took three steps at that time, that's what it meant, let me turn aside. His true inner intellectual essence desired to disengage itself from the body and shed all physical garments. He thus said, I shall turn aside from the prison of the body and therefore achieve a purely intellectual grasp of this vision. And what were the three steps? He separated himself from the nefesh, the ruach, and the shama, the different levels of his soul the animate soul, the spirit, and the godly soul, from any bodily connection. He totally disconnected himself physically in order that he can grow spiritually. And this is what it means to remove his shoes. Why have to remove his shoes? Remove your shoe, which is any physicality. The concept is that the body is called the physical shoe worn by the spiritual soul. Without the body, the soul would be unable to trod through this physical world's thorny, mucky existence. These are the thorns of the physical world. So in order to grow spiritually, it means you're going to have to use your intelligence. You're going to have to focus and think, really, what is life about? What am I doing here? Why am I here? And you have to have a desire to grow. And this is what the Chassim Sofer says. The Chassim Sofer says that when God called out to Moses, Moses answered, Hineni, here I am. The next verse says, do not come any closer. So the Midrash explains that Hashem rebuked Moses for using the same word that Avram Avinu used when Hashem called him, which was Hineni. 
So we ask, where did Moses fall short of Avraham? Surely it couldn't be his humility. It said Moses was the most humble man. So he answers that it's the opposite. It was in his assertiveness. Because we know that Avram Avinu Zerineni, he was willing to do anything for Hashem, even sacrifice his own son. But Moses was reluctant to take out the Jewish people from Egypt. And that's why Hashem rebuked him. And Rav Moshe Feinstein says a similar thing. He says on the verse, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to gaze at God. So we know the Gemara in Brachos says that he was rewarded for this. And Hashem made that his face should shine. But there's another Gemara that says he was punished for it. That he only got to see the back of Hashem, but he didn't get to see Hashem face to face. So he wants to explain the reward that he got was for his humility. He was embarrassed to look towards Hashem. But you got to hear this. The punishment that he got was because he didn't have enough desire to see Hashem. His desire to see Hashem should have been greater than his humility to not look at Hashem. In other words, his desire for spiritual growth should have been so great that it even overcame his humility. So Chazal is telling us we have to be aggressive. We have to be aggressive in our spiritual growth. Sometimes you have to ask a question to a big rob. Sometimes you hear a shir, you hear a class somewhere, and you don't understand. You can't be embarrassed. A person who's embarrassed can't learn. We have to have a drive for spirituality, a real desire. And we have to be inquisitive. We have to be a mavakesh. We have to desire and want to know and to understand. So the Sforno explains, what was Moshe looking for when he saw the burning bush? The verse says he wants to understand why the bush doesn't burn. So the Sforno says his question was, why aren't the Egyptians destroyed by the plagues? Why doesn't good overcome evil? That was his question. He was searching for truth. Why doesn't good overcome evil? Isn't that the way the world should be designed, that good should overcome evil? The thorn bush represent evil, and the fire represented good. Why doesn't good consume evil? And Rav Shimshel Hirsch, and other Mephoshim explained, just the opposite. Moshe was wondering, how can the Jewish people survive? How can the lowly Jewish people, which are represented by the bush, how come they're not consumed by the fire of Gullus, of exile? One of the greatest miracles of all of history is the fact that the Jewish people are still here and healthy and alive. It's one of the greatest miracles. How could we survive all these years being pushed around from place to place? So the question is, it's a question of good and evil. All of our life is about good and evil. How come good doesn't overcome evil? How come evil doesn't overcome good? And internally also, why sometimes we're overcome our evil inclination, and sometimes our evil inclination is able to overcome us. But we can learn from the Chasm Sofer, this is the way that Hashem runs the world. It's a mixture of good and evil. He says there's two lessons to be learned from the burning bush. Firstly, it is often through suffering that Bnei Yisrael returned to Hashem. The fierce flame, that's the inner soul of the Jew, eventually returns to Hashem is propelled by the thorn 
the thorn bush of the misery of the Egyptian slavery. So it's the evil that's pushing us to do good. Sometimes bad, actually most times. A reason why a person does tshuva comes back to Hashem is because he's having a hard time. Things are hard. Things are difficult. Or he sees evil inside of himself. As you grow, you become more sensitive and you realize you have bad qualities, bad character traits. And the growth usually comes through a crisis where the character gets so bad or you do something so ridiculous that you realize, hey, something's wrong here. i got to change. I have to do something. I have to grow. So it's the bad, it's the evil that's bringing us to good. And secondly, the opposite. When Hashem desires, the wicked become unusually and frighteningly resistant. And Moses wondered upon seeing this flame, why does the evil power survive despite the fiery heritage of B'nai Yisrael, the descendants of the Avos, of our forefathers? How can evil stand in front of good and also in ourselves? Sometimes we're working on ourselves, working on ourselves. We can't change. We can't overcome our evil inclination. The next day it comes back. The next week it comes back. So of Noam Elimelech answers. He says, man's essential function is to uproot his negative character traits. Through overcoming the bad character traits, which are like thorns, man can achieve greatness. He burns with a fiery enthusiasm. But it says the fire couldn't consume the bush, even with all of his enthusiasm. He can't completely get rid of all of his bad traits. And that's what Moses wanted to do. He says, I'll turn aside and look at this great sight. Moses was saying, I want to leave behind my bad character traits completely, absolutely, and I'll achieve spiritual heights. So then he didn't know. Why isn't the bush consumed? Why aren't the bad character traits consumed? So Hashem said to him, it's not possible for you to reach this lofty level. And he wants to say that the word to remove, to remove your shoes, is like the same word as Shailas, to borrow. You can only borrow this level. It's true, at Sinai we will have a level. At true, at heart Sinai, all the Jews had the level where the Zahuma, the impurity, which was caused by the sin of Adam Rishon, was completely removed from all the Jews. We had no Yetzirah, no evil inclination. But that's not what's going to be for the rest of history. That's only going to be at the end of history. When the Mashiach comes, also we will reach that level. But in the meantime, we have to accept who we are. That's what it means to be on the ground where we are. And from there, we have to grow. We have to desire to grow. We have to want spirituality. And therefore, we have to remove our sins. That's what it means to take off your shoes. It can't be you're going to get spirituality if you continue to sin. You have a lot of people, they say, oh, I'm spiritual. They don't keep Shabbos. No, we have to do what Hashem wants us to do. And then we will grow. And like the Sforno says, we'll have Siyat Dishmaya. Hashem will call out to us. But that doesn't mean we're going to reach the end of our growth. Because we need evil to reach higher and higher levels of spirituality. Like the Chassam Sofer said, it's only through hard times that we grow to new levels. And that's our task until the Mashiach comes. Here is a powerful parable. So the verse in this week's parsha says, A man of the house of Levi went and married the daughter of Levi. So Rashi explains who was the daughter of Levi. It was Yecheved. How old was she? She was 130 years old. But she became youthful again, and she gave birth to Moses and Aaron. So the Evan Ezra asked, Why did we mention, like we did by Saruman, what a great miracle it was? 
Sarah was 90 and she gave birth to Yitzchak. And the Torah made a big deal with it. And here, Yocheved is 130. The Torah doesn't say anything. So the Magid Meduvi wants to explain with the Mashal. One time there was a group of poor people and they were all sitting around discussing how bad things are, how people have stopped giving charity. People are giving much less, they said. So one of them says, I don't know what you're talking about. Recently I went to people's houses and every single person gave me a full ruble. So they started to ask, well, when did that happen? They said it was on Purim. They said, that's not proof. On Purim, everybody gives gifts to the poor. If it was a regular day, so it would be amazing. But on Purim, it's normal. So too by Sarah. At the time of Sarah, the fact that she gave birth at 90 years old, that was a big deal. That was a miracle. But in Egypt, women were giving birth to six kids at a time, every day. So it was no big deal that Yecheva gave birth at 130. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. The verse says, Moses was shepherding the sheep. So the Midrash explains there was a lamb that ran away. And Moses ran after it. And the lamb came onto some water to stop to drink. So then Moses said to the lamb, I didn't realize you were running away because you were so thirsty. You must be tired. So he carried the lamb on his shoulders. Hashem said, you have the mercy to treat the sheep of a human being in this matter by your life. You will be the shepherd for my sheep, Yisrael. And that was the meaning that Moses was shepherding. So one of the rabbinic explained, what was his outstanding quality of Moses? And what was the test that the lamb ran away? So he wanted to say that since a herd is composed of individual lambs, one must look out for each lamb with the tendency to run away from the herd. That's what it means to be a leader. So there's a known story about Rav Chatzko when he was the Mashgiach in Klutz. He made a point learning in the base midrash, even late at night. It's true that he had a private room, and it would have been more comfortable for him to learn in this house. But he said, one time he knew that there was one young man in the yeshiva who, if he's there, if the Meshkiach is there, so that Bachar continues to learn. However, if the Meshkiach goes home, the boy also stops learning. He said, if even one young man will study better because of me remaining, I'm obligated to remain in the base midrash. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rav Moshe Aaron Stern says like this, Marriage is like a mishkan, like the base of Megdash. It was only built that Hashem should dwell among the Jews. The whole purpose of a mishkan is a place for Hashem's presence to dwell. Many homes, however, are mishkans with nothing in them. The whole purpose of marriage is to do Hashem's will. Chazal compares our world to a wedding hall. Imagine if we had a wedding hall filled with guests and a band, delicious food, photographer, everything there. But if there's no couple with the chuppah getting married, so what's the whole point of the wedding? So to a couple, they get an apartment, they buy other furniture, they get everything, but there's no spiritual content. They have nothing at all. The entire edifice of their life is empty. And how difficult things are. Be easier to stay by yourself. You have no financial burdens, cheaper. You don't have to wake up in the middle of the night to pick, take care of your kids. Less cooking, less cleaning. 
So what simcha can we put into our married lives that are difficult? The answer is that if we know we have purpose in our marriage to fulfill Hashem's will and to bring neshamos, holy souls, into the world to serve God, then everything makes sense. With this attitude, everything becomes easier. And you have simcha in your house because you know you're doing something that has meaning. So he says, sometimes small things can bring a lot of spirituality into the house. For example, if a parent benches out of a bencher and the kids see it, that has an effect. They say, Rev Chaim Ozer, one time he lost the book of tzedakah that he used to keep track of all the money of the tzedakahs that people used to give him to give out to the poor. So he said, no problem, I'll rewrite it. Pages and pages. He rewrote the entire thing. Then they find the book. Then they compared the two books. It was exact. He had a perfect memory, photographic memory. And he still used to bench out of a bencher. And he never davened without a siddur. Has an effect. Also, don't daven in your house. Go to the minion, go to shul. He says, a father who davens at home without a minion will lower his self-esteem in front of his entire family. Like it says, and Moses, and Moses went, and the chassim sofer says, on that, just by Moses going did the Jews learn great lessons. Just watching him walk. And another thing he says, you have to be consistent. You can't be one day you're very makpid, you're very strict, and the next day you're loose. Rivka, when she thought she had one child in her stomach, and she used to walk by the base midrash, and he would jump, and she, and she would walk by the avodazari, would jump again, thought he was a mixed up kid. She couldn't take it. How could she give birth to such a personality? Lechazal says, if she is a wall, we will build on her a tower of silver. But if she's a door, we will enclose it with boards of cedar. In order to build Klai Yisrael, you have to be like a wall. Solid. One of the great qualities he say about the briskerav is he was always the briskerav. Didn't matter where he was. In exile in Eretz Yisrael. Like the verse says in Malachi, Ani Hashem lo shaniti. I am Hashem, I do not change. But he explains, in material matters, you can change. You can give in. But in spiritual matters, you have to be solid. Compromise, it can be destructive. Like it says, for the menorah, we have to use shemen zayzach, pure oil. But for the mincha, which is more physical, you don't need this level of purity. He says, you have an avrech, won't eat before he davens. But one day he davens nates at 5 in the morning, and the next day he davens at 10 o'clock. This is a big mistake. Your wife and your kids have to see consistency in your house. Like the verse says, also the man of Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the eyes of the servants of Paro, and in the eyes of the nation. So he asks, how can it be that was admired Moshe, after all the plagues they brought on him? The Ramban answers, because Moses was a man of truth. Everybody admires the truth. But he says it doesn't mean you have to be a fanatic. There's always room for tact. You should speak wisely and softly so that your words are listened to. The Torah says when Avram was commanded to go to Eretz Canaan, he took his wife Sarah, which the Zohar explains. He drew her clothes with gentle words. Doesn't mean you have to be rough just because you're mockpeed, because you're strict. You could be strict and be kind and nice. He says even L'shem Shemaim must be L'shem Shemaim. Even doing something for Hashem has to be done in a way that it's done for Hashem. Consistency is not an excuse to be rough and inconsiderate. Chazal tells us there were two people who were L'shem Shemayim, Tamar and Potiphar. Tamar lived with Yehuda to have children, which Mashiach came from, was L'shem Shemayim. And Potiphar wanted to live with Yosef. 
But the difference is, Tamar was willing to be burned to death to avoid embarrassing Yehuda. But Potiphar's wife threw Yosef into prison. She was rough. However, he says, sometimes you do need to be strict. Because if you're too kind-hearted, nobody's going to listen to you at all. And he brings a beautiful proof for that. It says, the Torah writes, At this time, Avimelech came to make a covenant with Avram. What specific time was that? It was just after Avram sent Yishmael away. Before that, Avimelech was not afraid of Avram. He thought he was so kind-hearted he could walk over him. But once he saw that Avram was capable of being harsh and sending away Yishmael, so then he decided it was time to make a covenant with him. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.